Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. One, two, three, four. If I had a jetpack, the first thing that I'd do is fly above the gridlock and come to you. I'd pick it to the windows on Fifth Avenue to see how the other side lives. And if I had a jetpack, I would strap it on. I'd get out of this one room and I'd be gone to where there's real houses and big front yards. If I had a jetpack, I'd take you up with me. At last, we'd both be free past the statue of liberty in my jet pack. It's <laughs> early in the morning. <laughs> if I had a jet pack, I'd fly above the bridge. I'd wave to all my friends who thought I'd never rise again. I'd fly over the to watch my team win Watch my team win And if I had a jetpack I'd bust into your door I'd take you by the hand To the Jersey Shore And underneath the moonlight You'd want me even more Cause I'd have a jetpack Take you up so high If I dropped you You would die But I want you By my side In my jet
That, of course, is Jill Sobule. There should be thunderous applause, but uh, we're not even we're not even in the same room. We can see each other through a pane of glass. This is the first time we've ever done anything like that. I should say that it's if you're listening to the show, we recorded it about an hour before you're listening to it, and the only reason we're doing that. So it's like about eleven o'clock right now on Thursday. On Friday, uh, Jill will be back at the Mark Twain house. Although it turns out you're not in the house this time. What what are you talking about? I think maybe they, there was a missing candlestick after you left last time. They just feel like they should have you someplace else. Uh, they knew it was me? Yeah, apparently there's fingerprints. Uh, no, you're in the bigger auditorium. Oh, they just, no. The, the Mark Twain house can't hold you anymore. You're you're too big. Oh, I used to love the fireplace. I know, I know. I'm still going to pilfer, though. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> that goes without saying. So um, so anyway, uh, tickets are still available. You should call the Mark Twain house and see about that. That's going to be on Friday evening. Um, this is Jill Sobule's fourth full show appearance uh, on the Colin McEnroe show. I think she holds the record. Uh, she's, you've been on two other times, too, but only for parts of shows. Uh, and I just want to quickly say something about that song. And I hope I can say this without choking up because it's going to kind of wreck this show if I do. But so uh, as you may recall, in September of right around this time of year in 2020, uh, we uh, booked you to do a private sh- a private show via Zoom, a Zoom concert that was uh, done outdoors in a backyard for the birthday of my partner, whose name I never say on the air, but I think for this one day I'll say Kathleen. So her name's Kathleen. So it was her birthday. She loves you. We did this concert. And then about a month and a half later, she went into the hospital and some really bad things happened. And she didn't come out for 10 and a half months. Um, And for some of that time, I couldn't see her because of COVID and you couldn't visit. And so Jetpack became a very, Jetpack was, you know, the big song at that party that we had for her. And then Jetpack, because it's such a great song about longing and wishing you could see somebody, you just can't get there, you know. Um, it's something, something's in the way. It just became a very symbolic song. And one thing that I wanted you to know that I haven't told you before is that when she was finally discharged, she, at, this time, at this point she was at Gaylord, this amazing rehabilitation center. When she was discharged, um, <clears throat> a member of the staff came down. And, and first of all, the staff lined up to applaud her as she was discharged. And they, they had a speaker and they played your Jetpack song. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. That That is, I don't know what to say. Well, oh, my yeah. God. I'm so sorry also you had to go through, that anyone had to go through that. And, but I think and, it's, it's also very important that music really, you know, what you do, what, what musicians do, composers, performers do for people, you'll never know. You know, there's hundreds of other stories like that that people will never be in a position to tell you because that's a lot of what. It's it's what's great about what you do, right? Yeah, and you know what I I I'm still choked up about that. Mm. Um, it is I've gotten a lot, especially lately, of, of people that have come up to me about kissed a girl that when they were a kid that that song made them feel like oh they weren't such a freak mm-hmm. when they were somewhere in Alabama and also they were. A teenager, and I think that that also that music from when you're like ten to sixteen, that is when it can really affect you and stay with you your entire life. So, what do you remember? What the songs were? Obviously, you remember what the ten to sixteen songs were for you. What were the songs that? Oh yeah. Oh oh hell! I remember when I was really. There's something about. 
Eleanor Rigby made me feel so alone. <laughs> well, that, that that doesn't sound very affirming. Okay, somehow. that wasn't affirming. Okay, well, it was interesting. The sad song was were the one that actually were semi healing because you mm. feel like you're oh, yeah. not alone. I mean, I think about my brother brought home a. a, a, a older brother brought home a John Prine record and I heard this song Hello in there and I was like, holy smokes, that is really... Maybe that's where I got the, um, you know, the, the story songs. Yep. But but there was a sense of, wow, people have it worse than me. Wait, I mean, I think if, if you have, the, if you're feeling blue, you can go in one of two directions, right? You can listen to a Leonard Cohen song that's even sadder and darker than you're feeling right now, and maybe that'll help. It's like homeopathic, you know? Or you can listen to something you know, fun and uplifting or something. Oh, like, okay, well, Ooh, Ooh Child, always yeah. as a kid, that got me. And and later on in life, <laughs> Earth, Wind, and Fires, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. I meant, who would be in a bad mood for that one? Right. Were you, I think we might have even talked to you. We were doing a Monkeys episode earlier this year. And I, I don't, I feel like you should have been a Monkeys fan. I don't know if you actually were, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. The, a Monkeys fan? Yeah. Yes, I was very much so. And in fact, one of the highlights of my career, can I tell a story? You, that's what you're here for. Other than being here in the studio, yes. the best time I had and most memorable was when uh, Kiss the Girl came out in 95 and I did W, what is it, PLJ, the big New York mm -hmm. station. And the next, at the next, I was in Studio A and Studio B was Davy Jones. And he, when he heard I was there, he ran in and he goes, I love that Kiss the Girl song. <laughs> and he came in, I, they don't have it, you know, they didn't have they had a cassette, I guess. Yeah. I'd been trying to get it. And he came in, I'll sing it with you. And it was like, oh, kiss that girl. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But do you know what that did to me? I can I can only imagine. First of all, you do a pretty good Davy Jones. Oh, well, I loved Davy Jones. Peter, Peter Tork sat in this studio where I'm pointing right now for, oh. for an hour and talked to me, too. So did you was, love that? Oh, yeah. No, I was a big Monkees fan, too. Um, and there's something about the music. It just makes you happy. Most of it's not terribly complicated, although I recently found out. Did you read this thing where Mickey Dolenz is asking the FBI to give him all the files on, that they have on the monkeys that the FBI was like back in the era of. No. <laughs> yes, for, for real. They were like viewed as dangerous, you know, anti-war, long-haired Hippie freaks. Hysterical. What's yeah. next? Up with people? Or... <laughs> I love the and I love the show too. Yeah. It's crazy. I imagine when I was a little kid, I wanted to get like a a pad like they had. What it looked like in the Malibu colony or something. <laughs> I I want and I liked all of them. I I went through an embarrassing period where I wore a knit hat, kind of the wore that you know they had a particular way of wearing their little knit hats. Oh, you I, did. I tried, I tried to wear them. Yeah, I was forty-seven. I was going through some things. No, uh, no, it was sort of right around the right around that time. I wanted to be like them. You know, it's very. Sad. There's nothing wrong. I wanted to get one of those. Remember those bu uh, silver button shirts that Davy had? Oh, the yeah. ve velvet were they, or <laughs> it was something? I don't know, but it was great. All right. So these are the affirming uh, moments of uh, affirming. our affirming. And childhoods. what about you? What were the, from like 10 to 16, what were songs that 
you listen to now and you go, oh, it, it warms you over. Well, unfashionably, I was a kind of a folk fan as a, as a young kid. Um, uh, and so it was Peter Ball and Mary and Kingston Trio and stuff like that. And then I kind of I graduated from there. I think to the Beach Boys earlier than the Beatles for me. And to this day, Brian Wilson's music just blows me away. And I just, you know, I really regard him. His songs like God Only Knows are just. No, uh, that's. I mean, it's ethereal. It's that a, That's one of those songs that makes me cry. It's music too. from heaven. So it was probably stuff like that, you know. And then by the time I was in high school, I actually remember the first Crosby, Stills and Nash album. Uh, and just those harmonies, just the, just. You know, you could put three other singers to, in a room and have them sing the same notes. It wouldn't sound that way. There's something about the way those voices sounded together that was was big for me. I, I when I went to college, I my roommate was a black football player from the D.C. area, and I showed up with a lot of Seals and Crofts records, which is something he brings up to this day. You know, just like so fun. He had like Harold, Harold Melvin and the like Blue Notes and. I had seals and crops. Anyway, we got to first of all, we got to get you to sing some more. But also, we should mention you are about to be the toast of the New York theater scene. Ha, I don't know about that. Uh, well, if, if not the toast, at least the blueberry preserves that go on the toast. <laughs> the uh, ego. <laughs> the ego. The ego of the New York theater scene. There's your blurb. There's your New York Times full page ad. Uh, but tell tell us about this. Is a thing that was in the works the last time you were here. Yeah, uh, a show, and I can't say the word, it's F word, seventh grade, and it it's not really a one-woman show, but kind of, but there's three people around me who are like my band, and they have little bits of pieces, and, and a lot of back catalog, and I realized that a lot of songs that I've had really wouldn't have been made without being so miserable on the most miserable <laughs> year of my life, seventh grade. So it kind of revolves around that. Uh, but it's not just that time period, but it starts out and and um, I'm terrified. I, I'm I'm having to memorize. Tomorrow the director's like, well, scene three, let's see if you've memorized it all. And I, I, I'm, I'm not good at memorizing. I've never been. I don't even know my own songs. <laughs> um, so uh, give us, just for people who want to get tickets and stuff like that, to that. Do we have deets here? Do we have Yeah, yeah. It, it, look at the wild. Well, they can go on my website. Yeah. And they should, everyone should go on my Instagram because I post really silly stuff. And, but... It's going to be from previews or October 12th, opening October 18th through November 9th at a little theater in the East Village called The Wild Project. And it's going to be, you know, interesting, uh, the musicians who are playing behind me and they have parts or mm. they pay like one plays Kathy Pepper, the mean girl and, and but they're, uh, you know, Julie Wolf, she's played you know, the accordion player and keyboard player with Annie DeFranco oh, cool. and the Indigo Girls for years. Yeah. And then do you remember a band called Antigone Rising? It sounds South vaguely Baby, familiar. They, yeah. A couple of those girls are in, uh, they're, they're playing parts and playing music too. So it, it's great because I know, I, I know my castmates. Right. But you got like a really good like New York Times preview kind of blurb, like, one, I know. one of the things to watch out for in the coming theater season. Don't make me more terrified. You know, it's, um, 
<laughs> well, you're safe. You'll, you'll be fine. People, you know what? Yeah. If I mess up, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Exactly. Um, yes. And is it is it a fixed run? Do you know how long you're doing it? Yeah, until the 9th. Until the 9th. Of, so the 9th of? Uh, November. Of November. Okay. Um, so it's not a thing where like three years from now, you'll it'll be like the Fantastics or something. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So we should you should do another song. And um, and I'm going to request the Island of Lost Things. You got it. And then I think we need to discuss Lost Things when you come back. Okay. We're going to do it. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Ooh, let me put it in the right, the capo on the right. I lost my keys, I lost my heart. Lost my car in the parking lot. Lost my voice, but can hear sing from the island of lost things. I lost my phone, I lost my way. Lost the hours of the day. Grandma's ring swirled down the drain to the island of lost things. Island of lost things. I lost my shirt, I lost my aim. Lost the person I could blame. I wish I could recall his name. The island of lost things. My mom was not a hoarder. She threw everything away. But forty-five's my favorite toys. Shoebox full of Polaroids. Plastic on the good couch. Everything was clean. A vacuum bag of treasures in the island of lost things. I lost my wallet, my ID. Someone else becoming me. My girlfriend somewhere on the seas to the island of lost things. I'd like to book a trip there. Maybe I could find Traipsing through the ruins The dream I left behind I'd put it in my pocket And I'd clip its wings So it could never fly again To the island of lost things I lost my pop, I lost my fizz Oh, the wonder that I miss I miss the taste of your sweet kiss The island of lost things And if you ever go there Call me if you find What happened to my true love The one I left behind Is she underneath the palm tree Staring out to sea Spinning my old records On the island The island of lost things Jill Sobule, The Island of Lost Things. Uh, we're excited to have Jill back with us today. She's become a friend and a friend of the show after all of these years. Uh, and she's going to be at the Mark Twain House on Friday night in the auditorium. Uh, don't go looking for her next to the fireplace. That's not where you will find her this time. Uh, she's, she, the Mark Twain House can no longer contain her. So, you know, when I listen to the song, it, of course, it's very reminiscent of the Elizabeth Bishop poem, The Art of Losing. Right, uh, right. And... Um, 
and obviously there's a lot of poignance in there about you know things we lose, people we lose. I've been actually thinking a lot. <laughs> this is a much more pedestrian place to go. Uh, but I've been thinking about how much time I spend looking for things that I've lost. Like, you know how your iPhone at the end of the week, I think it's on Sunday, your iPhone tells you like how much time you spent on your iPhone and how that compares to, you know. And yeah. My iPhone will sometimes say, you have a problem. You, oh. you need to stop looking at me so much. Uh, I'm an iPhone and I'm worried about you. But I think they should also tell you how much time you spent looking for your phone like over the course of the week because um, I spend an enormous amount of time around my house, time I will never get back or be able to devote to writing my masterpiece, uh, just looking for my phone because I don't know where it is. Let me just ask Tony who's in here with me, who's my road <laughs> manager. Tony, how many times do I say, where's my phone or did I left it at the hotel or something? <laughs> to- Several times Several times each day, he says. But here's the thing, is that you panic, you can't find your phone. But when you find it, it's joyful. It is a good feeling, yeah. It's a good feeling. Phone, wallet, keys, all those things. When you get them, when you do find them, it's a really good feeling. And you know, yesterday, I was in New York, uh, and I left my purse, um, and my wallet at the restaurant and didn't remember till I got back home and it was just uh, a couple blocks away and it's just so great that feeling of no one <laughs> stole anything they, this is New York City mm-hmm. and it's right there on the chair it was really people are nice that is true this this is definitely the glass half full version of losing your phone a lot. Yes. I mean, giving us. I lose things a lot. And I like to say it's not that I'm getting older because I've always been this way. But also, I think, like you said, we're on the phone all the time. Our hard drive is full. It's like our brain is a little mm. circle going around, around, around. We get too much information. So it's not us. It's that. Yeah, I think it's that. I do feel as though, <laughs> well, I feel like our parents would lose their wallets and their keys. You know, right. we've just added another thing that we can lose that they right. didn't. But I think uh, I'm going to talk to Apple about this. I think what they need to do is they have to put a little button on the side of the phone. And when you put it down, you get home or wherever you are, and you put it down, you press the button and it gets way bigger. It gets like four feet tall or something. Oh, that's genius. Yeah, because then the problem is it's it's not visible. It's not big enough so that you would see it sticking out from under a bed or something. You know, but if we're big, I think we would find it faster. Don't you have? Do you, do you use Find My Phone? No. The, oh, I do that all. I mean, I that then it beeps. You you put it on, and it's really, yeah. All right. So um, I just wanted to say that this has been occurring to me a lot lately. How much of my life I have spent, and it sounds like you, you, and perhaps Tony, in, in, in a very sort of collateral hey, damage way. Maybe you should. There is something to those fanny packs, you know. Maybe you, you can't do that though, right? Well, listen, we're still isolated, so who's going to look at you anyway? Well, my my partner and I went into oh. went into Coach, uh, the Coach store. You know the Coach store that's sort of down in the Soho yeah. area of New York? We walked in because she wanted to something like that. She was having the same experience. And we said the word fanny pack to the guy at Coach, you know, who looks – he's like looks way cooler than yeah. – you know. And, and it was really like we come in and asked for some really hideous – 
drug or something or something that I mean he had this look on his face. You're asking you're in coach and you're asking for a fanny pack. Well, Please get out of my line of sight right now. Hold on, then he's not hip because a couple years ago that like Gucci and all these people they there was a comeback. Right. Of the fanny pack, but they were like, you know, $700 fanny packs. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I, I don't, maybe that trend stopped. You just got to call him something else. Call him a belt thing or something. I mean, a belt bag. Fa- fanny pack is a belt bag. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fanny pack is like root canal. Like if they called root canal something else, some of the terror of root canal. Glorious. Would- Tooth surgery. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's really like someone says root canal, and right away it just sounds like it can't possibly be anything but horrible. Uh-uh. You know, just yeah, rebranding. That's what we're talking about, yeah. rebranding. All right, so we got have to go to a break here. Um, would you like just to pick a song or maybe even a song fragment you'd like to play us out into the break with? I'm going to play a song out of it. It's an old catalog, but it's something I do for seventh grade, and it's called Strawberry Gloss. Retainers and braces for all pretty faces and startup bras. Shirts made of gauze on a soft focus field with the sunset behind. Strawberry gloss. Someday, some way. Love will be calling and I will be falling and sometime I'll find someone to love me. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the Go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. We're back. We're in our studios with Jill Sobiel. I always like to be sort of honest about this. So we are, we usually have Jill on live just because Jill's very spontaneous and uh, we like to see what happens and possibly lose our FCC license. This is all fun for us. So, but we're recording this a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, It's going to air on our broadcast feed at 1 p.m. like usual and be available on the podcast, partly because because of COVID, we're in kind of a split studio arrangement. We've never done this before. And although it's, you've, you're, a, you're far away, but you feel close. Oh, I feel close to you. <laughs> and, and, and that beard look handsome. You look way smarter with that beard, too. <laughs> well, I need something to make me look smarter, <laughs> obviously. Uh, I was so glad you went out with that song. I haven't, haven't heard it in a while. It's one of your older tunes. Uh, strawberry gloss, and and I've always loved it. It's very poignant. Yeah, and it seemed to go. I realized that when I was putting together the seventh grade song list, I realized, oh my gosh, I have so many back catalog songs that 
somehow have something to do with that era. And then it made me think that, oh, you know, Freud had it wrong. It wasn't the first week or month or year, I, whatever he said. I probably have it wrong. That That <laughs> is the most important in your development. But whatever he said, it was wrong because it was seventh grade. And so somehow I have songs that I, I just can't get over that year and they come out. Well, I think also the question about seventh grade is, is it – do you enter seventh grade as a caterpillar and come out – a butterfly, or do you enter seventh grade, seventh grade and co- as a caterpillar and come out a really depressed caterpillar? Um, like I, I didn't undergo any great transformation. No, no, no. It's not about great transportation. It's about sur- to me surviving it. That is <laughs> that is that. Is, that's what makes a difference. Right. And thing is, is that. Everyone I've talked to for the most part. I mean, it pisses me off. There was one time I was on a panel with Lisa Loeb, who I love, Mm. and people were asking me, you know, why write songs? I go, probably because miserable childhood. My middle school, the seventh grade was awful. And I go, Lisa, it wasn't yours. And she goes, no, I had a great time. And everyone (laughs) in the audience is like... F you, you know. <laughs> there has to be one person, you know. But no, I mean everybody. First of all, I have to say about uh, Lisa Loeb. There's, um, I, I often pick up food for my son these days, and there's um, a really, really nice uh, Asian takeout place uh, not too far from where he lives, and it's called Yusei. Yusei. But Yusei. Uh, yeah. So every time I do this, I come back with the Chinese food, and I go, Yusei, you wanted beef with broccoli, or you know, and nobody <laughs> understood. Nobody gets the joke at all, and I explain it, you know. For for the 50th time. But yeah, I feel like with 7th and 8th grade, it's really both of them, I think. What they really should do is have like an island somewhere where they just leave you for those two years, you know, with some supplies and stuff like that. God, and my poor parents, you know. Uh, what a terrible time. But you know what? What's even thank God that you and I didn't have social media back then. I know, I know. How does anyone survive? I um, don't know. It is it is such a, a punishing reality. All right, so uh, I mean, not to you know work you like a rented mule here or anything like that, but you know, I think the the fans out there would love to hear you sing something else. And let's see, I'm going to go for another oldie. Let me see. Ballad or up-tempo? You pick it. I'm thinking up-tempo. I'm thinking up-tempo. Up-tempo. We can all use that. Okay. I'm going to try this. It's hard to do solo. Okay. you got to think of a whole Burt Backrat band when I'm doing this. I used to have the world in my handbag How did I manage to blow it? I missed the bus, I lost my heart And an awful lot of mornings I used to have the stars in my pocket Now I just watch them on TV But friends, they've all run away But they'll come back again Cause I'm filled with good vibrations I'll sweep across the nation We'll have a rainy day parade I 
used to live with someone who loved me. Somehow they ran out of patience. I regret those things I said. They were so uncalled for. But can't you see the weather is changing? The dark clouds over my head are about to burst. I've seen the worst. Let it pour all day. Cause I've got that old sensation. Getting back on my medication. We'll have a rainy day parade. You're gonna want me back. Parade, you're gonna let me in. We're gonna wash our sins away. We'll have a rainy day parade. Got the world in my handbag. I got my notebook too. I got the world in my handbag. I'm gonna give it all to you, and we'll we'll make a long vacation. We'll sweep across the nation. We'll have a rainy day parade. Get back that old sensation. Back on my medication. We'll have a That's a great song. That's from, <laughs> it's either from Pig Pearl Pig or Happy Pearl. Dog. Pig, Pig Pearl, yeah. Pearl. yeah. Um, just a terrific song. We're here with Jill Sobiel. Uh, we're. Did it work without the timpani? Yeah, it did. And it did have a Burt, it does have a sort of do you know the way to San Jose, Burt Bacharach kind of feel to it anyway, right? Yeah, you know, we were talking about though, my parents had those records. Yeah. And we're talking about when you're little, that's imprinted. Yep. I've, so I've always loved, even when I thought, oh, that's adult, that's cornball music. Mm-hmm. As I got older, I was like, that is really good stuff. Oh, just, well, Backrack and, and Hal yes. David, I mean, you know, those are amazing lyrics too. But yeah, my version of that was <laughs> my mother had a record, a Sammy Davis Jr. record. Sammy Davis Jr., by the way, was like an amazingly, amazingly talented person. You know, I mean, he kind of turned into a little bit of a show business cliche at a certain point. But early on, he could do anything. So I think it was called Sammy Sings Broadway. And so she didn't like it. I took it upstairs and it had like all this Anthony Newley stuff on it and everything. And I mean, whenever I tell this story to people, people say, are you sure you're not gay? You know, because like I listened to the Sammy Davis Jr. singing What Kind of Fool Am I or something, you know, and (laughs) for days and weeks and months and because it was it was like grown-up music it was the music the grown-ups were listening to but i actually you know i mean louis armstrong said there's two kinds of music right good music and bad music so if it's good that's music, that's so true yeah. well i i just can i brag you could you want you to brag yeah okay the first concert i ever saw what well, was actually second concert my parents i must have been like seven or something took me to las vegas and this was before it was totally family friendly and and my first concert was, and I hated it, was Jim Neighbors. <laughs> Gomer. I wanted Gomer, and he did all this opera. But the yeah. second concert the next night, Sammy Davis Jr. 
Yeah. He was incredible. It was incredible. And I just remember him sitting on a chair with a cigarette singing in the ghetto. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then he did my way too. But And then he tap danced. And it was, it was. He sometimes would roam around the stage and play the instruments of yeah. the band. He'd play vibes. He could, he could play vibraphone, which he could just do it. He, he at one point, he trained himself to do um, sort of pistol twirling, you know, holster, quick draw, pistol twirling tricks. And I saw him do it on TV one time, and he, the audience started applauding. And he looked at him, and he goes, he said, look, if I wasn't good at it, I probably wouldn't be doing it right now. Um, well, and it was in those days that entertainers had to do that stuff. They right. had to learn how to dance. It was, you know, yeah. in those days, like it, it, Dylan would have had to tap dance and <laughs> juggle and... Yeah, from from that perspective, Danny Kay is kind of the Dylan of his time. You know, right. he was Dylan who could dance. All right, we have to go to another break here. Um, you want to just give us a few little chords here to go to the break here? I don't. We, we I'm going to give you some chords. Give me some. Give us some chords here. These are some. These are go to break chords. We will be right back with more Jill Sobiel after this. So it's time to say some thank yous. A lot of people had to do a lot of things that they weren't expecting to do today, uh, and I appreciate that so much. Cat Pastor, as usual, is our technical producer. Gene Amatruda, the master of everything, really, uh, has been in here making sure Yay. stuff worked. Uh, Jill, of course, is here with Yay. Tony, who's indispensable and is always with us every Yay. single time and actually knows where Jill's phone is uh, or, or at least is capable of finding out where Jill's phone is. Uh, and uh, Lily Tyson, who's our senior producer, is in here kind of running around looking worried, probably. I don't really know where she is right now. Uh, oh, I guess she, she's in with the cat, probably, right? She's over there? Okay. I can't see her looking worried, but I can feel it somehow. So Jill Solbiel's here. You should know that on Friday night she will be at the Mark Twain house. Uh, she will be performing. I think it's from 7 to 8.30. So it's, for Hartford, that's a late night show. You're, you know, pretty people drive yeah, home and they go to bed. For me. <laughs> well, you can't complain about singing in the morning and then complain about being up at 8.30 at night. You know, there's got to be, you got to have a sweet that's, spot in there somewhere. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Although singers really do, they don't like singing in the morning. Actually, you know what? I don't care that much care? because I don't, I feel like it's got a little, like, extra kind of. little rumble in there, a little, little extra, a little. sexy. like, <laughs> yeah. I wish I had, yeah, I'm in a, had a cigarette and a, you know, is that all there is, my friends? That's, yes. I'm, Since we're doing all the old show busy stuff, I'll tell you that I used to have a morning show. It was 10 to noon. And on one occasion, I made Mel Torme sing with me uh, somewhere what? in that time. Because I just, I like, you know, like eight bars of Lulu's Back in Town. I just wanted to be able to say that I sang with Mel Torme. But, I mean, he really regarded this as a as an effrontery and a, and a and a you know an exorbitant request on my part for him to sing at like ten thirty in the morning. Singers don't like that. Uh, you could sing with me. No, I appreciate. Should we end this? But no. do you want to sing a song with me? No, nobody wants to hear me sing a song with you. Oh. They want to hear you sing. Oh. Uh, but we, when we do, do get to the end, we do know uh, how we are going to end. I just want to also just talk a little bit with you, just briefly. Well. First of all, you're still, I, I'm not going to use the term bi-coastal, but you're sort of back and forth, right? L.A., New York, L.A., New York? Yeah, and, and well, I was, this summer I was in L.A. and they put me up near Westwood because I did a musical this summer. And it wasn't my musical. It's the first time I mm. did something like that since fifth grade. Mm -hmm. 
And so they put me up there, and they're putting me up here. And so right now, uh, all my things are in storage, and I, I have to decide, hey, if any of your people out there, mm-hmm. I want to come back to New York. I want to stay in New York for a little bit until I make that decision. Yeah. If any of your listeners have, like, an uh, uh, an amazing apartment, say in the Dakota or the uh, <laughs> our, our Central Park no. West, for like a thousand a month. I would love to know that. That seems like a very re- reasonable request. Yeah, a thousand a month in the Dakota. Who can't do that? Yeah, I go. I go up it. a little. For yeah, the, for the Dakota. What I was wondering, what, like when you say we're in, you were in a musical, were you like Hamilton or something? Or you know? no, it was uh, a new musical. And do you remember there was a tabloid story in the '90s about a rabbi in New Jersey who killed his had had her assassinated. Oh, I do remember this. And at the time, I remember thinking, somebody should do a musical about that. <laughs> well, well, it's a true crime thing and typecasting, of course. I'm the the rabbi's wife who gets murdered. Of course. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, what would you think? Well, uh, yeah, rabbi's wife who gets murdered for casting call, you would be... But it was kind of an ama- it was an amazing experience for me. I mean, I was the only kind of non-professional actor. Everyone was like known in the theater world and and I was I felt like such the the idiot. I'd be like the first day, "Okay, Jill, now you do your line now, move stage right." And I'm like, "Um, what stage right?" You know, I, I was like, "I still don't get it. Now do you look which way or the other and but it, and I was terrified like I am now. I had to memorize all these. It was all in song, mm-hmm. but it was a lot. And I had costume changes. I was on stage all the time, except when you'd go back and I had a wig. I looked like my mother in the 90s. It was very scary. It is weird when you work with actors who are real actors who. Not only do they know what stage right means, but they know. I had to do a thing. It was sort of a vanity production for somebody, but uh, it was with uh, Michael Tucker and Jill Eikenberry. You know, the, oh, yeah. the Tucker, they were in L.A. Law together, married couple. And they're both really, really good. And Rob Ruggiero, who's a terrific director, was directing it. And in rehearsals, and we had, we had like no time to rehearse this thing, but in rehearsals, he would go, okay, Colin, do that again with Jill, but this time take a beat in such and such place, you know. And then Jill, and like Jill Eikenberry knew right away what he was talking about. But we had, it took a, like 10 minutes to get this down because the dumb kid couldn't figure it out. So funny. But I have to tell you, hmm. again, a brag. Yeah. The L.A. Times, who did they say was the outstanding cast member? You are going to get more work, more work as a result of this. I am a thespian now. <laughs> and an expert in thespian dance theory, too. Uh, a thespian dance theory. Oh, yeah. We had the choreography. There was one song... I was supposed to do this kind of disco scene, and she's, you know, the other two, they're three girls, and and they know what they're doing, and she's exasperated by me because I don't know, you know, pivot here, do this step and that step. And then she looked at me, and she goes, because it's a comical piece, and she goes, Jill, just do freestyle of the worst dancing you can think of. <laughs> and I did, and it was fun. I hope that's on YouTube somewhere. I'm going to find it and I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. It was so bad. So I have a question, uh, just a practical question. Yeah. Like, are you now in a situation where, like, your hairdresser's in L.A., but your doctor's in uh, New York and your tax person is in L.A., but your, you know, yeah, your podiatrist it, is in New York? And it's getting to me. I think uh, when this is over 
uh, by spring, I want to settle down. And here's the thing. I don't – I don't – I'm not in love with L.A. Mm-hmm. I don't like driving. And New York is where, you know, I feel great, but I'm not as enamored with living in the city as I used to be. Mm-hmm. So where should I go? Connecticut. Connecticut. That's what Connecticut is for. It's for people who have to be in New York a lot, but they're not enamored with living in the but city. But I like a place where I can, like a little community where I can, what's important to me is where I can walk to get coffee and there's a little community. So like a bedroom suburban yeah. community, what, where is that in Connecticut where you can ha- – there's places to walk to. There are plenty of places like that. Actually, you know, you'd be a great fit with New Haven itself. New Haven is really nice and very walkable and lots of restaurants. And uh, Lily Tyson just chimed in on Slack with the very same suggestion. I could see you in East Rock very well. And people wouldn't bother you either. Okay. If people for a th- uh, $1,000, a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful uh, uh, mansion or doorman building. <laughs> Somehow or other, your tastes and your budgets are, are not – they're not on the same track right now. I know. I think that's also with – you know, I was saying <laughs> – I do think I need to change it. Like if I was going to do a dating profile, yeah. you know, th- what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And I'm always uh, – and I was saying an archaeology professor who is an heiress who maybe has a title. Right. Right. Well, that's – Is that a little too – well, first of all, New Haven is stinking with archaeology <laughs> professors. I mean, you know, you can't you can't swing a cat without hitting an archaeology professor. Um, now, the rest of this stuff is just going to have to snap into place like Legos or not, right? Um, so, I think we might be getting to the point. Somebody actually tell me on Slack how close are we to the end of the show? Because we need to ha- let the the you know a good life breathe here. It's got to have some room here. So, um, but we, I just want to quickly say we this is our fourth full show in the studio visit with Jill Sobiel. John John Jankowski once said that after Jill's first appearance with us, that nobody figured out how to be on this show faster and more completely than Jill. Uh, and I think that's still the case. And so it's. It's certainly a joy to have you here. And I think kind of Hartford's kind of in love with you now. I, I mean, this love whole... Hartford. I, I've, I've worked to uh, my friend Mary Kate's records here that was in the old Colt building. Yeah. Is yeah. that that's a cool building? Do it they still? A, yeah, it's still there. It's yeah. and it's people. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is a gorgeous building, and not that many people who visit Hartford get down to see it. So, well, you, I don't feel like ever, even from the very beginning when I had my first interview with you, I didn't feel like I was. It was an interview. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, I forgot that we were just having a conversation. I forgot that it was. A quote unquote an interview. It didn't right. even feel that no, way to me. That you confessed to several murders that time. You just clearly didn't yeah. know that it was on the radio. And nothing happened. No, no, it was hard for you know. God. I mean, we, they've got bigger problems here. All right. So yeah, I think it is time. Speaking of uh speaking of major life events, uh there is usually a song that we end here, uh with, with here whenever you do the show. Uh and it's called A Good Life. And are you you feel ready to play it? Tomorrow the ground may shake Like the said it was bound to happen one day And the Hollywood sign will fall The final call Don't you fret and don't be blue A 
You had me and I had you It was a good life It was a good, good life Tomorrow we might all be gone When the Russian gangsters sell the bomb And the waves come roaring from the sea A hundred foot swells over Venice Beach If it comes to that, what can we do? You had me and I had you It was a good life It was a good, good life It was a good life It was a good, good life Tomorrow a tiny virus might grow And everyone and it's not the cold Or a hole in the sky will open wide The aliens land on the 105 If it comes to that, what can we do? Uh, you had me and I had you It was a good life It was a good, good life I said a boom, boom, crash, crash Underneath the overpass Burning buildings, flying glass A good life On the day the earth stood still We won't have to pay our bills Some mudslides down the hill A good life We won't have to make our beds Break out the booze And like I said, let's have a ball Before we're dead A good life Let the pious rise above We'll go down in our sweet love It was a good Do you want to sing it with me? Sure One, two, three It, it was, was a, a good, good life. life Yeah It was a good, good life It was a good life This is it It was a good, good life Couldn't go up there with you. It's, uh, it's the that morning. I'm a singer. Nice I can't sing in the morning. The yeah, it was fun. All right. So we're also excited to announce our spinoff podcast, Find Jill a Dream Apartment. It will be produced yes. by Lily Tyson. Oh, my gosh. And if they do that, they'll get free tickets to my show and more. I think we want to take the position that it's a privilege for them to find you an apartment. You know, we're not going to just. All right. So we have to go. We have to stop. We have <laughs> okay, to stop. we got to go. <laughs> the show's over.